to believe it. Whoever said that must have been talking about Talladega. It's a place where chaos mixes with speed. And a playoffs weekend becomes a lifetime of memory. It's a tradition like no other. At a track like no other. And after it's all over, you still won't believe it ever happened. NASCAR Playoffs Weekend at Talladega, September 30th through October 1st. Get your tickets now at talladegasuperspeedway.com. the track the hot pass racing network puts you at the track with arca and all the major nascar series from daytona to the final checkered flag the hot pass racing network is your inside pass Everyone, we are now joined by today's race winner of the Andes Frozen Custard 300, 300, sorry, John Hunter Nemechek, driver of the number 20 Joe Gibbs Racing Toyota. John, this is your ninth win in the Xfinity Series, and now you advance to the next round in the playoffs. What does that mean to you? Uh, it means a lot. Um, seventh win this year is, is huge for this team. Uh, we've been able to accomplish a lot, and uh, to finally get a playoff win, uh, this is my first uh, playoff victory um, of my career. So that's uh, pretty big um, coming into this year with not having the playoffs that we wanted over the last couple of years. But um, overall, really solid day. I'm excited for what's to come here over the next few weeks and um, just all the focus on, on these playoffs right now and uh, trying to go win and uh, trying to go win this championship at Phoenix. We're going to open it up to questions. We'll start with Rob in the middle. Rob Tiongson from theponyfinish.net. John Hunter, congratulations on your victory. It seems like you guys are just not letting off the gas pedal. You have a finish of third in Bristol, not a win. I mean, how important is it to establish momentum and basically kind of break the will of your competitors at this, at this point? Uh, it means a lot to, to us to advance and, and really uh, push ourselves to work harder every single week. Um, there is no backing off the gas. It's playoff time, so uh, I feel like we're trying to peak at the right time. And we have really fast Toyota GR Supras every single week. Um, it's just how we execute and capitalize on that. And uh, as this 20 team and Joe Gibbs Racing as an organization, we've done really well so far this year. And uh, just have to keep it up. And that's the biggest thing for us. We'll go over to the right of the room. Your left, over here. Hello, John. Raphael with Arconic. Congratulations on the win. So two questions for you. First question is, how was the track conditions? They were talking about that. It was really slick earlier today. What did you experience? Yeah, it definitely was really slick earlier. Uh, this is the first year that they haven't applied PJ1 uh, on, the, on the surface since uh, they repaved this place, and it was definitely different. Um, there's still residual PJ1 out there. Um, I mean, if you spray it for five years or six years or however long they did it, um, it it's still going to be on the racetrack. It's not going to wash off overnight. It'll take time. So, um, But early on, it was definitely slick. Uh, racetrack was dirty earlier in practice, and uh, you saw a few cup guys bust their butt uh, getting up a couple lanes. Uh, you saw it today in the Xfinity race, the first couple laps as well. So just had to be smart about the racetrack and, and race the racetrack. Um, this place is 
definitely been known for overstepping the edge or jumping the cushion, as we say, uh, from grip to no grip. And um, But by the end of the race, it widened out. Uh, you're able to run the bottom. You're able to run about a lane and a half up and, and really have some good momentum. And uh, I think that it's going to make a great race tomorrow for the cup race as well. Awesome. And then the second question is, um, you got to experience a great, cool day here in Texas today. Um, <laughs> How did the cooling suits, what were you doing to maintain your, your body temperature and everything? Yeah, so I don't wear a cool suit. Um, I, I've never worn one. Um, just haven't done it. Uh, so for me, it's uh, it's all about proper training. And Toyota TRD gives us a lot of resources to do so. Um, everyone at TPC or Toyota Performance Center uh, does a great job with that. And um, very proud to be a part of Toyota TRD and, and the program that, that they create there. And um, man, I was ready for another couple hundred miles. We're good. We'll go to Jerry Jordan in the middle. Jerry Jordan kicking the tires. Dot net. You know they sh they cut the cup race by a hundred miles. So you know you you'd be yeah. you'd be fresh just for that one. We'd be fine. Yeah. Uh, with the win and, and advancing, you know, locked in. How does that change your perception on what you need to do for the next and upcoming races and and going in further into the playoffs uh, to get to the Phoenix? The only thing that matters for us at the Roval is going to win two stages and win the race for more playoff points. Um, so um, for us, I, I feel like being locked in, it gives you a little bit different strategy that you can gamble with. And I think that you saw the seven do that today um, a little bit with, with the position that he's in. Um, so it's uh, the Roval is, is go try and win and, and get some more points. Um, everything else other than that doesn't really matter. Um, just got to go win a race. So. Um, and then the next round, I'm looking forward to the round of eight. Uh, some really good racetracks for myself, I feel like. Some really good racetracks for Joe Gibbs Racing as well. So um, hopefully we can go lock in at Las Vegas. Just do the same thing that we've been doing all year. Um, I'm not going to change the approach. It's been working so far this year, so we're going to keep doing the same thing. Bob. Uh, Bob Pockers, Fox Sports. Oh, boy. This is about to be hard. Yeah, it is. Um, no. <laughs> uh, when you're racing Kligerman, a guy who you know desperate kind of to get his first win, do you have to race that any differently? And B, you know, Allgaier was upset with his move. He felt like he drove in way too deep. I'm curious what you saw on that. Uh, to be honest, I saw the 48 and the 7 go up the racetrack, and I was able to fill the hole and get by both of them. Um, I knew that they were going to race each other hard to try and get clean air. The 48 had fresh tires, the 7 was on old tires. Um, and luckily, uh, what I was thinking worked out uh, for me. Um, but Kligerman, he's he's gonna try and win a race, right? Um, he, uh, he, he didn't put it on my door in turns one and two, uh, which I'm thankful for, um, or it, it could have ended up with both of us wrecked. Um, but at the same time, the, the inside guy um, is just as, uh, as much to blame as the outside guy, and the outside guy is just as much to blame as the inside guy. Um, racing here at Texas with, with how close the lanes are, um, you're, you're still easily able to be sucked around and get loose underneath a guy um, if they put it on your door. And um, to be honest, I don't know how much room was given there, so I can't point a finger. Um, I probably wouldn't point a finger, but um, it's, it's hard racing. It's part of Texas. and. You see it in the truck series. You see it in the Xfinity series. I'm sure you'll see it in the Cup series tomorrow. Um, guys are trying to advance and and are willing to do what it takes to to try and get position on another guy. 
Allgaier said that, you know, I think kind of once he knew he was getting passed, that he wanted to protect his car because they want to bring it back either for um, Vegas or Homestead. I'm curious if you know with your car whether it'll race again next this year, and if so, which race? That's way above my pay grade, Bob. I have no idea. We we build them every week to go try and win races, so I'm 100% I'm not sure on that question. Um, it doesn't matter to me which car they bring. Uh, I feel like we've we've won in a lot of different cars so far this year, and um, from from my knowledge, uh, almost every car we've run uh, has has won a race. So I'm okay with it. Do we have any additional questions? All right, everyone, we're going to go ahead and get started with our very staticky. Sounds like you need to get some new mics in this place. <laughs> our post-qualifying media availability. We are joined by your poll winner of the Auto Trader Echo Park Automotive 400 at Texas Motor Speedway, Bubba Wallace, driver of the number 23 for 2311 Racing. Um, Bubba, this is your first poll this season, second of your career. Why don't you talk about starting up front? to kick off the round of 12. Yeah. Um, I sat there and try not to overthink it. Uh, before the first round, climbed in the car, and I was thinking, like, man, qualifying has become my road course um, resume. I, I suck when we get in the first round, and I usually blow it going into the second. So there's nothing like putting that in your head before you go out and, and, and you're fastest in your group. And um, so I just really wanted to execute for my team and, and show that I've, I've been working hard to not do that, and, and it paid off. But I, I really thought I, I gave it up in one and two, so it would be interesting to go back and watch the broadcast and, and see just where we stacked up. But, um, man, you got to have a car to be able to do that. And with a car to be able to do that, you got to have people to build that car. So just all about the people at 2311, uh, our team on the 23 team, 45 as well. Uh, we're, we're pushing each other to be better and better. So it, it's paying off. But proud of the efforts, but it's nice for a moment. Tomorrow is the, is the real job. All right, we'll open, up, open it up to questions. We're going to start off with Holly and then go to Jerry. Hi, Bubba. Holly Hello. Kane with the NASCAR Wire Service. Um, well, were you expecting that? <laughs> I mean, a great no. run. I mean, just, just talk a little bit about the performance out there and really bring it in qualifying like that. Yeah, was I expecting it? I, I don't know. Like I said, excuse me, qualifying, you know, I, I tend to try too hard and overthink things, and it's my problem with life. I need to stop doing that. I need just to go out and do. And um, so that was uh, that was a good surprise. But uh, I, I knew in practice our, our car was actually felt a little bit different the first lap, but I was like, man, I feel like there's a lot of capability in this car, and, and we found some adjustments that were okay and, and some that helped. But um, – I knew for qualifying I really needed to step up because I knew the car was there, and uh, the rest speaks for itself. So now it's like maybe I should trust it more often. You know, it's not about trusting the car or trusting the team. It's it's just this racetrack. You know, you put me here or this car at Dover, it's like, okay, I know what I'm going to do, got to nail it. But when you only have a lane and a half to mess with and you're using up majority of all of that, it's it, you can put yourself in a bad spot. There's nothing like trying to get something that, 
it definitely is a massive payoff for us on the start. But in the end, rebuilding a whole new car and, and you can't you can't get everything that you have in your best car. So trying to find that fine line of too much and not enough and living right in the middle of it. We'll go to Jerry. Jerry Jordan, KickingTheTires.net. So the tracker on the, was green from pretty much the whole way around the track. Okay. So you made it look easy, but what <laughs> was it like behind the wheel? Because, I mean, we are watching, it was like, Three and four, I wasn't sure if you, you know. I ought to wide open. <laughs> SMT even, I'm pretty sure it should say so. I know I didn't lift. I thought round one was a little, and it showed that I lifted, and I was pissed. So I said, I'm going for it. Only because I really, really thought I botched one and two. So now you're telling me that it's green. See, there's my thought process. I'm trying too hard. I was ahead, but you don't know that, right? You're just going off a of feel. So um, now it's just a good car allows you to do those things and, and get away with some of the mistakes that I may created. So now you just go out there and lead every lap and win the race on the <laughs> Sounds easy. Yeah. We'll go to Rob in the middle. Rob Tiongson from the podiumfinish.net. A couple of questions for you, Bubba. Uh, how much of a statement are you looking to do tomorrow, getting, getting the pole here uh, at Texas Motor Speedway? And also, what does it mean for you to go as far as you have as one of the first diversity drivers in this century and having the success you've had? Yeah, well, we can't discredit Larson, you know, what he's been able to do and win a championship there um, on the diversity side of things. So I guess I'm following him. I'm second fiddle to him, uh, much like the rest of the field on any other weekend. But, uh, um, yeah, I think it's just incredible to, to, to be where we're at and to, to just accomplish the things that we've been doing. You know, um, I knew we were a playoff contender starting the year. Uh, we'd like to make that stressful on ourselves and wait till Daytona to lock ourselves in. But um, about a quarter of the way or maybe halfway through the regular season, you start to figure out kind of where you stack up. And I felt like we were a 8th to 12th place car uh, every weekend. Well, 8th is a round of 8. So I think looking at this weekend, we're, we're better than the, the majority. Um, but you, you never know what can happen in the race, right? And look at Kansas, we were having a really good day until we weren't. So it's just uh, you, you have to live in the moment and conquer every moment. You know, are things evolving or are evolving each and every lap, each and every minute. And so trying to stay on top of that, not getting complacent, not letting your mind wander, uh, just stepping up to the plate and delivering. And that's what this team has done today. So super proud of them. Yep. Do we have any additional questions for Bubba? We'll go to Bob and then Dustin. Of course. Of course. Bob Pockers, Fox Sports. Is the track feel any different with this tire and them not having applied any product in the last year, or could you? There you go. I don't want to get up too high and figure that question out for you. So it feels the same as normal, but I'm in my normal little box, not getting too high, not putting it on too much of an edge. But for the most part, it feels relatively the same. We'll see tomorrow when it's, it's going to be slick in lane two for sure. Nope. So you know where I'm starting tomorrow, on the bottom. <laughs> <laughs> Dustin Long, NBC Sports. Um, in, in, as every athlete improves and gets better and better, what, what are you more working on? Is it technical stuff? You've talked a lot about mental stuff. Yep. Is, it, is it things that you can do, look at SMT, or is it things and how you think about things and approach things that is, is more of a focus? I forgot what the first thing you said, but I'm going to say all of that, what you said. <laughs> it takes everything. It takes everything of finding out who you are as a person, who you are as a driver, 
how hard you can push yourself, how hard you can push the car. Um, it, it takes a lot of, of understanding of self. Uh, that's the first step, I believe. And, and then believing in yourself. Uh, that's, that's the mental piece of it, right? Um, but when you surround yourself with the right group, right people, right team, right equipment, it, it helps all those things kind of coincide with each other. So, um, you know, I think this is just the beginning of, of a, a very, very good start to my career. I know I've been doing the cup career for six years now, but where we're at right now, we're starting out, we're getting hot at the right time and stepping up and delivering. So it, it's hard because I don't want these things to age bad, but we're talking about our start is so good. And then, you know, tomorrow can just be a different, different day. But I think just from outside of the car, appreciating where you're at in the sport and what it takes to be at this level, you know, I feel like I do belong in the cup level, and uh, we're continuing to prove that point. So it's been fun, fun to uh, to guide that ship. When you talk about pushing yourself, is it about literally pushing yourself in the sense of I got to get this, to get, I got to get this extra half a tenth, or is it, hey, I need to back down because that'll help me get that extra half a tenth, and I and I've got myself in trouble pushing. Yeah, both. Uh, this this next gen car is, <laughs> it's so hard to drive, right? And you're damned if you do and damned if you don't. You sail it off in the corner anywhere too hard, then you get loose. You, you know, you, you push the limits of the tire. So it's like, okay, I'm going to underdrive that corner. The same results happen because you didn't get to get the fuser down. So it's like, good Lord. I mean, we're talking, you know, thousands of an inch. And that's, that what, that's what makes the difference between the best and just, just the okays. And so trying to live in that best realm is, is hard. And, and you got to take pushing yourself. It takes pushing those limits. But I think you find a little bit of that early on in your career, whether it's different series or not, whatever. You have to find where the limits are at, We're racing around your racecraft, uh, just qualifying speed, solo speed, right? Um, it takes a lot of trial and error, and it happens quicker for others. Um, and I think I used to get really frustrated at that because I felt like growing up, you know, I was beating these guys, right? And it's like, man, what the heck? It, it, progression is different for everybody. You know, even in, in y'all's realm of work, you know, it, it, it takes a long time for others, and that's just part of it. you got to sit there and enjoy the journey and, and trust the process and, and bust your ass all the way until the end. Now, are those words that you're saying, or is that now beliefs that you have? I'm, I'm making it sound really good, and I'm like, damn, I should start listening to myself. It sounds okay, unless someone tells me otherwise. Thank you. Yeah. We'll go to the back. Hey, Bubba White Watson with FrontStretch.com. Um, you said earlier that this, the round of 12, is the is your most hardest round these getting pulled today kind of defunct that where are you at i'm right here oh stand up sorry sorry <laughs> i didn't even listen i was looking for you the whole time say it again i said uh you said earlier in the bullpen that your uh round of 12 was the hardest round for you yeah do you still believe that after getting pulled now <laughs> yeah it's just qualifying they don't pay nothing looks good on paper uh, this track is 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 very treacherous and so you know, we have the best position, uh, track position right now, but we know with strategy everything's going to change and going to evolve, and we're going to get behind at some point. So it's just a matter of making the most of every situation we're in. We're right, right now, we start on the pole, hopefully lead all the laps till stage one. Uh, some people may uh, pit and, and cut it and, and shortcut it and, and whatnot, but you're going to get behind at some point, so we've got to figure out how to get back up through there. But you can't get complacent on just the small victories. It takes a lot of them to add up to a big victory, but it's a good start. Do we have a final question for Bubba? We'll go right over here. Bubba, uh, Don Hall with Track Smack Radio. You talked about the anxiety, and as someone who has suffered with anxiety myself, mm -hmm. um, one of the things I think that people don't understand, and it's one of the criticisms that I, I see you get a lot and you try to respond to, yeah. I understand it completely, is 
when things are going great, you're waiting for the bottom to fall out. 100%. 100%. And people don't seem to understand that. So they're always like, well, why is he being so negative when he had this great run? Or why is it this? And it's like, because you're just waiting for... Yeah. And it's it's that pessimistic kind of thing, right? It's like no you're doubt. not you're not glass empty. You're just no. like there's a glass and there's some stuff in no it. Doubt. It's <laughs> trauma, right? Yeah. You've had a lot of things go great, and then it's like ripped out from underneath you, and it happens. It's not me just waking up when everything is going right, and it's like, yeah, today sucks. It's like no, you've you've gone through past experiences where you felt like you were on top of the world, and it's ripped out from underneath you. Yes, everybody experiences that, but the fall may be harder for others than than some. So. Um, yeah, you, you nailed that on the head. Uh, every person that I meet that I end up, you know, vibing with, I'm telling you, hey, I'm not, I'm not trying to be a pessimistic here. I'm just being real. Right. You know, the, the good's going to come to an end. So I try not to live too high because it sucks on that fall. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So is that how you approach each, I mean, and not even just race weekends, just life in general, getting up in the morning every day, just because there's so many other things that go on. And that's the other mm-hmm. thing I think the aspect of it is people don't understand that there's life too outside yeah. of racing and that you probably approach life in the same exact way. 100%. Okay. I, um, <laughs> it, it's, it doesn't matter what it is. My wife got annoyed at me saying it, but um, you know, I'll, I, my favorite saying of, of late is like it's always something. Always something's going to, whatever it's good or it's bad, it's always something. And she's like, can you shut up? I'm being real. It is something. I'm late because of this. Maybe it's just excuses. I don't know. Any final questions? We'll take one more from Rob. Bob, as a kind of follow-up to my earlier earlier question, I mean, when you think about your career evolution from being in rev racing to the diversity efforts to now where you are, what advice would you give to your younger self about what you've experienced and now being in the round of 12 and getting a chance to go after the championship? Take a deep breath and enjoy the process. Um, trust the process. It's hard to enjoy some of the, the rough times, but... Um, I think trust it. Understand understand the position that you're in and that your progression is not the same as your competitors. So um, your timeline, you know, God's got your timeline the way he wants it played out, and you just have to wake up and every day and accomplish that. All right. Thank you, Bubba. Good Peace. luck tomorrow. Thanks. You'll have to see it to believe it. Whoever said that must have been talking about Talladega. It's a place where chaos mixes with... You'll have to see it to believe it. Whoever said that must have been talking about Talladega. It's a place where chaos mixes with speed. And a playoffs weekend becomes a lifetime of memory. It's a tradition like no other. And a track like no other. And after it's all over, you still won't believe it ever happened. NASCAR Playoffs Weekend at Talladega, September 30th through October 1st. Get your tickets now at talladegasuperspeedway.com. To believe it. Whoever said that must have been talking about Talladega. It's a place where chaos mixes with speed. And a playoffs weekend becomes a lifetime of memory. It's a tradition like no other. And a track like no other. And after it's all over, you still won't believe it ever happened. NASCAR Playoffs Weekend at Talladega, September 30th through October 1st. Get your tickets now at talladegasuperspeedway.com. believe it. 
Whoever said that must have been talking about Talladega. It's a place where chaos mixes with speed. And a playoffs weekend becomes a lifetime of memories. It's a tradition like no other. At a track like no other. And after it's all over, you still won't believe it ever happened. NASCAR Playoffs Weekend at Talladega, September 30th through October 1st. Get your tickets now at talladegasuperspeedway.com. All right, race fans, let's get rowdy. The next 60 minutes will be two men talking one thing and one thing only, racing. From the dirt tracks of the Carolinas to the super speedways of Daytona and Talladega, no race is too big or small for this duo. Ladies and gentlemen, these are our hosts, Rowdy Maglite and Kyle Magda. This is the Rowdy Maglite Show. about Talladega. It's a place where chaos mixes with speed, and a playoffs weekend becomes a lifetime of memories. It's a tradition like no other, at a track like no other, and after it's all over, you still won't believe it ever happened. NASCAR Playoffs Weekend at Talladega, September 30th through October 1st. Get your tickets now at talladegasuperspeedway.com. Hey guys, I could hear the intro and the spot, but can't hear you. can't hear you.
get started with our post-race media, avail media availabilities. We're joined by our winning crew chief, Rudy Fugel. Rudy, it's your sixth win of the season. Tell us about your day. Yeah, uh, wow, what a what a um, what a year and what a race. Um, we kind of had a really good stage one and lost some track position. Um, just making sure we pitted and didn't do anything dumb with our tires, trying to trying to run long and didn't get ourselves in a pinch and had to work our way forward. And we passed a lot of cars and finally found ourselves in the right spot at the end. And uh, once once William sees a sniff of the the lead, uh, it's a uh, it's a good chance he's going to do well. So just uh, really proud of him and the whole team. Okay, we'll go ahead and open up the questions. We'll go ahead and start in the back back here with Wyatt, and then we'll work our way through the middle. Howdy, Rudy. Uh, Wyatt Watson with FrontStretch.com. Uh, uh, keeping William out there, uh, st having him stay out uh, after that J.J. Ailey wreck, uh, what did that mean to put that faith in, the in a William's hands and bring home that 300th win? Yeah, I mean, at that point in the race, I think that's your – your best play with where we were, you know, if uh, I think we were seventh or eighth. And so if we pit with majority of them, we're going to be 18th or 20th. It's a, it's an okay call. It's, it's a pit. If you're going to be 10th or 11th, I think the 11 car was the first one on two rights. And I mean, it, it kind of, he got close um, to the front, but um, you know, it worked out and it was a fairly easy call. We're just, just hoping with that long laps on tires that uh, everything was going to go okay. And the air was going to stay in them and everything. So that was good. Okay, go ahead. Justin Schuler kicking the tires. Uh, first off, congratulations. Um, earlier in the race, we saw a lot of tire issues uh, from a variety of teams. Where where does the concern start to come in when you start to see that from various teams? Because obviously, if it's one team or one man, it started with our post media media bill. Hey, Brian, have you got me? Yes, I do. I'd like to welcome Brian Crichton, president of Talladega Super Speedway. Welcome, Brian. Race weekend, man. I know. You know, here it is. We had campers load in this morning, uh, so we are ready to welcome the world to Talladega Super Speedway. It's amazing how quick or how soon people come to get in line to be that first person there to be claimed first person at Talladega, isn't it, Brian? It is. You know, we, we opened up this morning, you know, Monday morning at 8 a.m. We had our first camper show up last Wednesday. <laughs> so they've been staged since last Wednesday. I left the uh, the facility yesterday. There was probably about a half mile of campers going down Speedway Boulevard. When I came back this morning, it was probably a mile. So I went by with the pace car, and I beeped the horn and welcomed everybody. And, you know, the first campers, they get a great prize package. So they get a uh, first camper flag. We actually gave them a Solo stove, a Yeti, I'm sorry, an Arctic cooler, uh, and a whole bunch of other stuff, too. So uh, the, I, I think that's driving them getting here even earlier because they want that great Talladega prize pack. So, Brian, you couldn't ask for a better weekend for the Yellowwood 500 in the Love's RV Stop 250. Man, it shows sunshine all the way till next Thursday. It does, yeah, and we're excited about it. It looks like we're going to get a little bit of rain uh, here Monday and Tuesday, which is great because we've been dry around here, and that's going to help us knock some of the dust out of the air. Uh, but, yes, you're right. It is shaping up for just an absolutely beautiful weekend uh, for racing at Talladega. 
great temperatures during the daytime and what I like to call sit around the uh, fire pit uh, weather at night too. So it's going to be absolutely perfect for camping. We have free campgrounds out here at Talladega Super Speedway. All you have to do is have a Sunday ticket. So I encourage everybody to come on out to Talladega this weekend. It's going to be massive. Well, you know, if you're kicking around, you're a little low on cash. Ticket prices are not that bad. A Sunday ticket gets you camping in the, on the outside. I all used to camp in North Park, meet some of the most interesting people in the North Park, and you become friends. And one, Actually, we were sitting around the first day planning this trip, uh, Brian. You know, you get there planning your next trip, and I've always said, Talladega is better than Christmas. It happens twice a year. My my boys, I have a, a an 18 year old and a 14 year old, and and they feel that way as well. So they uh, they they say you can take the birthday, you can take Christmas, uh, and you can wrap it up because it's Talladega weekend, baby. I'd rather have Talladega than birthday or, or Christmas. So hey, I, I think I remember seeing maybe a pin uh, for the Rowdy Maglite campsite over there in North Park. I forget which uh, which map service it was, maybe uh, Google Maps, but uh, you know you guys are, are famous over there. We, we've had a lot of good times over there, Brian. You know, I, I think I started this Talladega journey in the late 80s and, and, and always looked forward to it. My wife would look at me after me getting ready for almost two weeks, and she'd look at me and go, is it all worth all this? I said, every minute, Brian. Now That's that right. you got Big Bill's Garage, man, let's talk a few minutes just about Big Bill's Garage and what all offers there. I'm telling you. If you wanted a hot pass, that's as close to a hot pass as you, you're going to get. You're right. Now that's the number one question we that we receive is how can I get a how can I get a garage pass? And you know it's obviously a competition area, and so those are extremely limited. So what we did is we built basically an amusement park, Talladega Garage Experience around the garages. So the fans walk into the uh, garage building from one side, the race car pulls into the garage building from the other side, and the only thing that separates the race fan from the nose of that car is about a four foot high uh, little fence, as well about five feet off the nose of the car you're under the same roof there's no windows that are blocking a you know obstruction of view or anything you can hear that driver when the driver's talking to the crew chief they interact with the fans right along that fence line i mean it is just the coolest thing to, to see it truly immerses you into the sport we also have victory lane that's part of the talladega garage experience so you can see all of the excitement after the race is over the drivers, of course, that's when they're the happiest because they just won Talladega. So they're always signing autographs. They're throwing hats out to the crowd. I mean, it's just an awesome place to be. We have game zone. We have a kid zone. We've got just social stops all along the way in here. We just we keep hearing people refer to it as an amusement park, but we also have value price concession. $2 bottles of water, $2 Coke products, $2 hot dogs, $4 chicken um, tenders and, and fry platter, $2 or $4 cheeseburger and fry platters, and $4 pounder beers. So 16-ounce beers at only $4. Talladega Garage Experience is the place to be, not for everything, not only for everything that's going on, but just to be there, be there with the fans, and be immersed in the sport. And a red carpet before they go out on the grid. 
That's right. Yeah, Talladega Garage Experience uh, includes access to the pre-race ceremony. So you can see the drivers walk that red carpet, you know, up close, you know, to, uh, you know just on the other other side of, uh, you know, a bike fence. So you see them walk that uh, red carpet. You can be right there on the start-finish line where we hold our, uh, our pre-race ceremonies. You can see all the drivers introduced. I mean, it is just a – it is the ultimate when you're at Talladega Super Speedway. Brian, I was in line – Last, well, I was videoing the trucks as they were entering in the truck, little truck parade that they had coming in as they go into the garage. And I met two gentlemen from their first time from Finland, and they were sidecar champions. One of them was a four-time champion. The other one was a three-time champion from over there. And their first NASCAR race they went to was uh, in the spring, and it was Talladega, and it lived up to everything they wanted. I think... Brian, what makes the difference in that super speedway is that flag stand being down at the end of the trial, which they are just gunning it down to that flag stand. You're right. Yeah, when Bill France Sr. built this place and opened it up back in 1969, he had that vision of putting that start-finish line, not in the tri-oval, but about a quarter mile down towards turn one. So not only the finish line being there, but us being the biggest racetrack at 2.66 miles, us being the steepest racetrack at 33 degrees of banking, and widest racetrack at 75 feet as compared to uh, like a Daytona's 55 feet, we got 20 more feet of uh, you know width. That's what gets that great three, four wide racing. And Bill France Sr. putting that finish line down there towards turn one. He wanted every single uh, fan that's in those stands to be able to see that final charge for the uh, start-finish line. And that's what makes the, you know, our finishes here second to none. We hold the four closest finishes in NASCAR right here at Talladega. And I've been present at all four of those races. That's why he's becoming back, Brian. You know, I, I got the pleasure to go to, to uh, Watkins Glen this year, and everybody's like, come on now, you're not from down the street. Where are you from? I said, I'm 90 miles from Talladega. And everybody said, that's on my bucket list, Talladega. If you hadn't, if you hadn't done it, this weekend is the time to do it, isn't it, Brian? It is. It is. It's going to be beautiful weather this weekend. The place is going to be, the infield is just going to, you know, have fans all over the place. I like to tell people we turn into the largest sports bar in uh, Alabama uh, during our race weekend. So if you want to watch college football and you have a particular college that you're a fan of, all you have to do is walk around our infield and look for that flag flying high in the sky because you know they're going to be watching that game at their RV. And you know they'll offer you something off of their grill and probably something out of their cooler as well. It just becomes this huge family, uh, you know, unofficial family reunion. Uh, we still have tickets left in our grandstands. We still have infield admission as well. Um, we do have a Hardy concert on uh, Saturday night. So we have a rodeo on Friday night, a Hardy concert on Saturday night. So not only do we have the greatest racing in the world, but we also have a lot of activities that are going on too. Tickets for uh, kids 12 and under are free on Saturday and start at just $15 on Sunday. Uh, we have, as I mentioned earlier, free camping. All you have to do is uh, you know, just show a Sunday ticket and you can get into one of our uh, free campgrounds on the outside. South Park is geared towards the families, has a huge shower house that's right there. 
Um, the North Park, where you guys uh, used to hang out and party, is, uh, is our party central over there. So we offer a little bit of something for everybody. We also allow coolers inside of our grandstand. So a 14 by 14 by 14 soft-sided cooler with anything that you want to, uh, to have to eat or drink. Just no glass, please. But we let that come in as well. We have free parking, just ways that we make it very, very economical for people to come out and enjoy NASCAR racing. It makes for a great family package. It really does, uh, Brian. I, I tell you, the weather's going to be perfect. The excitement, the friends you're going to meet, it's time to load up and come to Talladega and be part of this celebration. Brian, always good to have you on. I, I get to see you. you get, I see you in the campgrounds going around, mingling with all the fans. I, I really appreciate that, Brian, because that way you get Real true input, not what somebody else said. You're out there filling the crowds, and everybody appreciates you being out there, Brian. Well, I, I appreciate everybody being out there. There's nothing more important to me here at Talladega Super Speedway than the guest and the guest experience. I was in those lines this morning welcoming all of the fans that you know have been here, uh, getting ready to stage and come in, and just thanking them for their passion, thanking them for their dedication. I love hearing the stories. You know, Somebody said, well, I've been coming here since 1986. I said, that's the year I graduated from high school. So we all had a big laugh about that. It's just you know, the fans here, you know, again, it is just such a special, special place because the fans that come out, you know, we put on a, a great show. NASCAR puts on a great show on the racetrack. We try to do, you know, engaging things for the fans, but the fan experience is really built on all of the fans and all of the guests that come out here that make this place so special. Come on out and be a part of Talladega Super Speedway. It might be on your bucket list, but I guarantee you, after you come once, it'll be on your to-do list every year. Absolutely. Brian, thanks so much, and looking forward to seeing you this weekend, friend. Thank you. Looking forward to seeing you as well. All right, Brian Crichton, getting us ready for Talladega Super Speedway. It's happening now. Grab your ticket. Thanks, Brian. Thank you. You'll have to see it to believe it. Whoever said that must have been talking about Talladega. It's a place where chaos mixes with speed. And a playoffs weekend becomes a lifetime of memories. It's a tradition like no other, at a track like no other. And after it's all over, you still won't believe it ever happened. NASCAR Playoffs Weekend at Talladega, September 30th through October 1st. Get your tickets now at talladegasuperspeedway.com. All right. We're going to go back to... Uh... Willie B here, guys. Uh, I'm telling you, like Brian said, you can bring a cooler in. It's 14 by 14 soft cooler. That That's hard to beat. I mean, as long as you keep it glass-free, uh, come on in. You can go back out at a caution or something, and if you needed a few more waters or adult beverage or a sandwich, put it back in your cooler and come on. But if you got two people coming, one with the drinks, one with the with the food. Uh, Big Bill's Garage, I'm telling you, there's nothing like it. We'll be in down there doing a pre-race show and a post-race show. Maybe we can get an interview with you. I want to thank Brian for being part of it today because I know he's busy uh, putting on his show. But uh, there's a lot of other, like he said, free camping with a Sunday ticket. That North Park, that was the bomb now. That's... Uh, 
Infield's good, too. With that free ticket, with that Sunday ticket, that gets you free admission into the concert. And the rodeo, guys, I, I mentioned, failed to tell Brian, the rodeo. If you're going to the rodeo on Friday night, get there early because the stands are going to be full. And those are some mean bulls. Mean bulls. You'll enjoy it. Then the fireworks after that. Hopefully they'll do the fireworks before the bulls come out because that might fire fire the bulls up to uh, hear them hooting and hollering and carrying on. But back from Texas, uh, this weekend, William Byron brings home his uh, sixth win of the year, guys. If you see me out in Big Bill's garage, stop. We'll have a table there. Holler at us. Let's talk about your experience in Talladega. I've got over 30 years of experience in Talladega, so I've seen some good races. Never seen a bad race. The only bad race I thought I'd seen was a rain out that was called back two weeks later on the way home that evening. I was complaining about how bad it the weekend was, and my 12-year-old son, Bart, looked at me and said, Well, Dad, I had fun. I said, Well, son, if you had fun, we had fun. And we loaded it up two weeks later, come back on Mother's Day, watch Mark Martin run the fastest Talladega caution-free race there has ever been. So we did get the show in, but just like I said earlier, uh, trying to harp on a few things, uh, the Yellowwood 500 is on Sunday, then you got the the, uh, Love's RV Stop 250, that's at 12 on Saturday, because I love the truck race. I mean, there is a lot of great truck racing going on in that, and then it's down to the Final four with them to make it to uh, Phoenix. And the Rowdy Maglite Show will be at Phoenix. So uh, we're going to jump back over here and listen to Willie B and uh, finish his interview. But once again, I want to talk, thank, not talk. We done talked to him. I want to thank Brian, because I know Brian's busy and uh, he did not have my number to begin with, the reason he was a few minutes late. But we got him. Um, you know, with all of our, our key partners and all of our teammates, it's it's a nonstop discussion from, from Tuesday all the way till now. So, um, you know, and it's been that way for at least a year now. It was a, This race last year was, was tough. So we were prepared for that, and we were able to share information and, and kind of, um, you know, when, when they had his issue that he, he thought it was – he was really confident that it was a contact and not, and not a um, – you know, air pressure or anything like that, that they did damage to the tires. So you just try to get that information and, and, and try to make good decisions. Okay, over here. Rob Tiongson from the podiumfinish.net. Rudy, congratulations on getting Hendrick's 300th victory and getting your ticket into the round of eight. Two questions for you. You know, what, what statement do you want to say to your critics who are saying, well, what happened to the pace of the number 24 team after the, you know, the regular season? And then secondly, what is it with your chemistry with William that makes you guys work so well together? Yeah, I mean, um, first of all, thank you, but uh, it, it just—I just believe in this team, no matter what. And um, you know, I don't—I don't do social media. I don't really read 
or watch any of that stuff. It, uh, I don't watch <laughs> anything NASCAR really during the week, especially during the playoffs. I just, just uh, I'm busy enough as it is. So I, I didn't, I didn't know anybody was saying that about us. So um, I thought we had a, a decent round. Nobody had to talk about us, good or bad, and, and nobody talked about us on the on the cut line. So that was that was our goal for the first round. Um, you know, I've been through. Different, way different, a ton of different types of playoff situations and and rounds and and you know one point, five points and and in the trucks and won tons of championships, you know every which way. So I have a, a a way that I want the team to do things and and we're doing that. So that's that's the main thing. And 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 then William and I just just always had a great relationship and we can we can trust each other. We we have each other's back and and that just uh, breeds into the whole team. So that's that's the key. Okay. Any more questions? Go up front to Bob. Bob Pockers, Fox Sports. Uh, William said that there was one point today where he pitted when you wanted him to stay out. So I'm curious, uh, before the last, um, when you made the decision to stay out there at the end, did you do anything different to make sure that he knew what you wanted him to do? Yeah, I mean, so early in the race, I mean, we, we talk through things. That's one of the main things we always try to do. I tell him what I want to do, um, but he, he's driving the race car. He always has a chance to, to change his mind, and that's kind of – he didn't not understand me or anything like that. He just he, – he was he was worried that he was going to get too loose staying out on tires to start stage two and, and not be able to survive. And, you know, he spun out in Kansas, so he's, I'm sure that's in the back of his mind. So he's just not wanting to do any of those things. So he thought the safer play was to get four and – um, and he apologized later in Victor Lane for for doing that because I think we would have been in a better, a little bit better spot. But it is what it is. We're a team. We work together, and uh, you know it made us better. It made us realize what we were good at, how we can get the car better. Um, we were able to get four or five spots, kind of every single run, which I don't know many people did. Go ahead, Jerry. Rudy, a milestone day. Uh, Jerry Jordan, KingTheTires.net. A uh, uh, milestone day for uh, Hendrick Motorsports for you guys. Uh, but coming into the season, do you think this this would be you know a dominant year? I mean, this you guys are are really on fire and hitting really a, you know continuing to hit at the right time. Yeah, I, I think we've grown. Um, this is year three, so we've grown every single year. Year one, um, we won that race early. You know, we had confidence going. You know, with a lot of a lot of consistency. Uh, we didn't have race winning pace like the nine and the five did our teammates, but we were we were good. And then that grew into last year where we were uh, leading more laps and won more races. And then we kind of had some ups and downs, um, a big slump in the summer. Uh, but then we, I thought we were awesome in the playoffs last year. I mean, it really, really outpointed a ton of people. And um, and we had Martins will not go our way and, and some of the things that happened there to keep us out of the final four. And then we went to the Phoenix and we ran really well as well. So um, I knew that was going to, that playoff run was going to give us confidence over the off season to, to get where we are now. And, yeah, I just I think we can, you know, we, we would like to be winning and running in the top three all day every week, you know, like we did at the beginning of the year. We, we're working towards that. It's it's tough, and uh, we're we're continuing to find speed in our cars. Uh, the engine shop, I mean, showed up today. They they were uh, they were really really working hard and finding more power and just uh, everybody. I mean, he better. Uh at the timing with Talladega being next week, I guess you uh, big breathe a big sigh of relief. Yeah, for sure. You know, with, with our points cushion, we kind of have two goals. You know, we've kind of we set ourselves in the three races. We want to. We think that if we earn this many points, and we know what that is every round, that we're going to advance 
and or you get a win. You know, so uh, those two things are on our mind. We wanted to you know score big points to get us you know at least halfway to the point goal or win the race. So um, winning the race is is huge. Now we get to go help. Uh, we get to go help the five. We get to help the nine. We get to help our Chevy partners next week. We don't have to be as stressed about what happens, and we can we can just try to go get more playoff points, and that's that's a big goal. Okay, we're going back to Wyatt and then up to Dustin. Hey, Rudy, uh, Wyatt Watson, FrontStretch.com again. Uh, with uh, with the win now being locked into the round of eight, looking towards Las Vegas, obviously winning there earlier in the March, and Martinsville winning last year, uh, does that give you all a lot of confidence going that you'll go to the championship four? Uh, it changes. This this series changes so fast. It's it's so cyclical. So we're going to have to bring our A game to every one of those races that Somebody will find more power. Somebody's going to find more downforce, and somebody's going to find more setup, you know, grip in in, in between now and then. So, uh, we'll go to work on that and and bring all we can to those those races. They're races that we're excited about for sure. You know, H- Homestead is probably my favorite track. Uh, I've won the most here. One of my favorite tracks, but um, and then I like Las Vegas. William does as well, and uh, and Martinsville. There's there's nothing like it. So, um, we'll we'll try to acquire those points, or and or if we're in the spot, we'll win that race. Dustin Long, NBC Sports. Rudy, as you talk about the success you guys had last year during the playoffs and the things that you built upon, and as you reference, a couple things go right, you, you, you're in Phoenix, potentially. Um, in one sense, that's a very short period. It's been less than a year since that. But I'm curious, what is it like to build toward from that moment to this? And, I mean, you're still a few races away, but... Um, you know, to, to have run 30 races, is it a quick time, long time, and what what is that period like to, and how tough it is to be in those moments and to, to be able to have an opportunity to potentially put yourself in that situation again? Yeah, it's, it's a gr- I mean, this, this whole deal's a grind. This season's a grind. Um, it's tough. It's tough to stay up, you know, and it's tough uh, even when you're winning. You know, it's tough to stay up and keep going. So um, it seems like forever ago that last year happened, you know, but, but just – remembering the process and, and the, the whole team believing in in the process and how the things work and how we how we want to approach each race and each round and and whatnot i think that that just becomes a habit you know and the more more habits you can be you know habitual uh winners habitual running the top five then it, then it's just easier right and it's uh it's more common you don't you don't get as high you don't get as low you know that you're going to be uh, a strong team with a chance to win so um that's that's kind of what we've been been trying to uh to prove um, the and, and I understand all that and the the 36 playoff points going into the playoffs and into this round. Does that how does that I guess impact or affect any decision making? I mean I know it's still all about the process, so that yeah. I know that's not going to change. But how does the 36 points or does that even play into anything that you do or think about? Yeah, no, it's huge. I mean, it's 41 now, so we have uh, you know the next round when we get to the round eight, we're going to know you know on average how many what what it took to to advance to the final four you know that's each year you know on average what it takes to advance and if you start with 41 and say it takes 120 then you only need 80 in three races instead of needing 120 so those are that's that's the that's the thing so anytime you can you can put some in the kitty that's that's great last thing is you know obviously you guys came into the playoffs tied with the 19 team um, I know you can't control anything that they do, but I mean they haven't finished better than 17th. In one sense, that could have been you guys in a way, you know, which is how the, the playoffs do. When you look at at how that team, because they were tied, I guess the just how 
volatile the playoffs can be, how scary is that in, in, a, in a sense? Yeah, I mean, since the next-gen car, the, the playoffs are, are super volatile. You have it, It's just hard to go get a, a, a victory. You have, you have way more cars that are competitive that are, are super hard to pass. Especially by the end of the race, you know, we used to used to not have to have that. You know, you could you'd have 12 cars that were competitive in the playoffs, and now you if if you're 21st, it's really hard to pass any of them cars. They're all super good, especially by the end of the race. Great drivers, and and so it's it's easy to uh, to get set back at the wrong point and get a bad race. So that's where the points cushion is huge, and and uh, just just sticking with it and uh, being able to come back for like we did today was great. Yep. Okay, we're now joined by our winning driver, William Byron. William, 10th win of your career, 300th for Hendrick Motorsports. Tell us about your day. Yeah, it was, uh, it was a really good day. You know, I think um, it's kind of one of those days that I knew it would be a, a grind from start to finish. Just Honestly, we kind of advanced forward quicker than maybe I expected and got the stage one points and felt good about that. And then just um, just the sequence in stage two, I just, I just made a mistake and pitted there and and uh Rudy made the right call and I and we restarted 25th or wherever we were and it was just really hard to go forward after that but we kind of slowly inched our way forward through stage two and got ourselves to like 15th and I felt good about our race car like we we had good confidence like I could do what I needed to do and pass people in the long run so I felt good about that and then once we got in the top 10 it was just kind of picking one off each each uh I don't know six seven to, to 10 laps and um once we got a, a sniff of probably the first two rows our car was great up there and um just needed a couple of good restarts i just didn't didn't hit the the sequence of restarts very well um the first one was pretty good with the with kyle uh had pretty good push there and and just couldn't they couldn't get clear and then um the next one after that i was terrible on and and then the final one i just felt like i Got a good launch and and knew what I wanted to do and wanted to and and got a good run off of two and and put it three wide and uh, that was kind of it so um, felt good about that to end on a good one but um, but yeah just really happy about the win and everything it means for the company. All right, that's great. Uh, before we open up the questions for William, do we have any more questions for Rudy? All right, my friend, thank you for coming in. Thank you. All right, we'll go ahead and start with Rob and then go over to Riot, uh, Wyatt. And then we'll come on over here. Rob Tiongson from theponyfinish.net. William, congratulations on your victory here at Texas. Just two questions for you. How much of a relief is it to win this early in the round of 12 and not have to worry about Talladega and the Charlotte Roval? And then secondly, you know, in your case, what has been the most inspirational or empowering quote from Mr. H that's really engaged you as a driver? Um, yeah, first off, just making the round of eight is, is an accomplishment in itself. I think... Um, you know, for us and where we are with our team, the the round of 16 is definitely, you know, would be a big disappointment not to, to make it through. But the round of 12 is tough. You know, I mean, you don't really control your destiny at, at Talladega. And then the other two could go either way. You know, you could have a good car. You could have a, a bad day and, and crash or whatever. So um, that makes it nerve-wracking this round. So it's always an accomplishment to get to the round of eight. Um, so excited about that. Um, and then, yeah, win 300 and, and everything that Mr. H has meant to me in my career so far. And I, I don't know if it's if it's one quote, but um, just how he values people and just how people make, make um, things go. And I think that I've always valued that because he's taught us and instilled in that and instilled that in us. And, you know, I think getting 
a good crew chief like Rudy and um, just getting people around me that, that believe in each other and just makes all the difference. All right, let's go over here to the right. Mark Garrow, PR. Go ahead. We good? Okay. Mark Garrow, PR. And first off, William, congratulations. Um, did you feel like at any point as Kyle was out front that you still had maybe a chance to win this race, or had you kind of conceded that this just wasn't your day? When did when did the it kind of dawn on you, maybe I got a chance? Um, to be honest, I wasn't thinking about the win. I just couldn't. I couldn't put myself in that mindset where we were running. I mean, we were running fifth, um, fifth to sixth, and I felt like that was going to be a good points day. And I think, honestly, for me, that's what, you know, that's what I had to focus on. Like, I can't give up free points. So I was just trying to focus on my job. I think my crew chief had more optimism that we had speed to win, but I was just thinking about trying to, you know, get to the end of the race and, and get a 40 to, to 50 point day. So, um, once, once those, you know, once Kyle, um, crashed there, obviously the, the door was open. And I think the first time it was open, I didn't do a good job with the restart. And, um, you know, so I was kicking myself for that and then, uh, was able to, to nail the last one. So, um, yeah, I think after, after it all transpired there with 11 to go or whenever, uh, that's when I thought I had a shot. I, I understand it in the preseason, Mr. Hendrick put the 300 on the table that he, it was important to him and he wanted you guys to go out and get it. How does it feel now that as a team, right, you guys all pitched in, you got the 300th, but that you actually got there for him? Yeah, it's, I mean, it's really special. I think um, it's, uh, you know, growing up a Hendrick Motorsports fan, I watched win number 200 on TV. Uh, when Jimmy won that race, and I uh, always felt like, obviously, the, the gold standard was Hendrick Motorsports, so if I could ever drive for them, once I started having success in my own career, uh, that was the goal, and when I met Mr. Hendrick when I was 14 at Junior Motorsports, I told him that, that that was the goal to drive for him, and um, I didn't have a lot of confidence that that would work out, but <laughs> I was going to put it out there, and, and uh, when we met again when I was 18 running the truck series, and sat down I just had the confidence that he was gonna he was gonna take care of me and he's gonna put me in the right places to succeed and um you know it just he committed to me and even through my rookie season and 2019 and all those all those years that I was kind of struggling he just committed and kept encouraging me so I'm super thankful uh to him and you know to give him 300 is really cool okay we'll come back to Wyatt and then back over here Wyatt Watson with FrontStretch.com. William, congratulations on the win and continuing a career year. Looking at the last four races, you have a career win at all of the last four races coming up. Uh, what is the confidence level now that you have locked the first place in the, in the standings coming into round of eight and then going to Phoenix? Yeah, I mean, it's it's um, I'm a bit reserved. You know, I think we've got to keep working and, and keep – steadily kind of climbing our way forward i think there's a lot of a lot of good teams out there um so it's it's really hard to get ahead of yourself with this next gen car because it's it's really all about nailing the setup and nailing the the weekend as a whole giving the right feedback all those things so still have some work to do there um you know on my end but i think we're very capable of winning at, at all the tracks um it's just a matter of trying to put it all all together so um i'm excited i think we we have 
opportunities there, and hopefully we capitalize. I mean that uh, your team gave, gave you that uh, confidence going into staying out on those uh, last 30 laps to get the win. Yeah, I wasn't worried about it at, at all because I felt like our car was just starting to handle really well. So um, we were kind of catching the top four guys there, um, minus Kyle. And I felt like Kyle was probably lights out the best. And I felt like we were right there uh, behind him. So just trying to manage that. And I felt like when we stayed out, I wasn't worried about the tires or anything. I just felt like I needed to nail the restarts and um, I didn't, and then I finally got a good one at the end. All right. Now we are now joined by NASCAR Hall of Famer Rick Hendrick. Mr. Hendrick got win number 300. Um, tell us how it feels. Uh, well, it feels good to get to 300. Uh, you know, we've been thinking about it since 299. So uh, I just, I'm proud of all the drivers that have driven at the company since we started because every one of them have participated in this 300 wins so it's really really good to see William get it and uh you know he's had a heck of a year so we're we're really the whole organization's proud because we put these marks we have glass on the wall and every time we have a win we uh put another flag up there and so it's good to get to 300. That's great go ahead and start over here with Cameron, Cameron Richardson NASCAR.com my questions for William William back at Phoenix in March, you said that your career is a constant evolution. Now, as a six-time winner in 2023 and, you know, looking like a clear favorite to win the title, where does that evolution stand now? Yeah, I mean, I think we're still working on it. So I think, you know, there's still ways to, to get better. Um, you know, I felt like this year it's easy to kind of look at the wins and be like, okay, we're we're there, we're doing everything we need to do. And we are, but we – got to keep working and keep improving so it's kind of a it's an evolution i feel like the we went through a little bit of a lull with the bigger racetracks the high speed tracks just what balance i needed in the car i think i was looking for a car that was a little too free so um just trying to figure out what that balance is and and go fast with it and i felt like today we we kind of did that so um i feel really good about the future but we gotta i mean go to the simulator on tuesday or whenever and try to work on vegas because we don't have to focus on, you know, the next two. All right, let's go over to Jerry. Jerry Jordan kicking the tire stand. And I'm going to ask both of you this question. I'm going to let you wait because I want to see what Rick has to say first. If I'd have told you when you met with him when he was 14 years old that you'd be, he'd get your 300th win, he'd have six wins and, and locked into the next round of the championship playoffs as a favorite, what would you have said? Uh, I think I would have said you're crazy because uh, – uh, <laughs> He did walk up to me at JRM very uh, determined, not cocky, but I'm going to drive for you one day. And then uh, my neighbor told me, he said, you see that little Byron kid driving that truck? And so I said, that's William. That's a, and so I called him, and the rest is history. But he's such a great young man, but to be honest with you, with no more experience than he had, and to step into – Xfinity cars and do what he did there, what he did in the trucks, and how quick he's learned. He's a student, and he spends a lot of time in a simulator, and he is, he, he's he got a work ethic. I, mean, I don't know if everybody knows this, but he went to the toughest school, private school in Charlotte, Country Day. At the same time, he got his Eagle Scout badge. 
and he was taking courses at Liberty, and he won the yeah, that Grand National Series. Yeah, can. And any one of those would have been pretty sporty. You know, I don't think I could have done any one of the four. But to, that says a lot about his tenacity and his work ethic. And uh, and so I'm uh, I'm real proud of him. Uh, and he's I just I'm just thinking about how he's progressing and what the future looks like with with he and and Rudy together. Your well, turn. I don't know what to say <laughs> to answer that. Um, no, I think I mean to your question. I when I watched as a kid, I like they were the standard, and I was a big Jimmy Johnson fan. Um, and so I think that you know as I progressed in my career, obviously wanted to be with Hendrick Motorsports. And um, when he when he uh, got with me when I was 18 years old, I think it was in July of that year, running the truck series and. I had a lot of questions of what I was going to do next, and he just gave me the confidence that he was going to take care of me, and I just, you know, he trusted me, and I don't know, I just appreciate that so much because I went through some struggles my first couple of years, and, and he would always encourage me and always pick me up, and, um, you know, it's paying off now. We've got a great team and starting to put it together. Okay, go Go ahead. Hi, Don Hall with TrackSnack Radio. First of all, Mr. Hendrick, congratulations on 300. Um, William, congratulations to you. And as a mother of a very recent Liberty University graduate, congratulations to them as well. So listen, as a local media person, I want to talk to you a little bit more about this track and the changes uh, or, or your thoughts on this race this weekend and how this track seems like it changed. I mean, 22 lead changes among 13 drivers. It seemed to me like we were seeing some really good passing and some really good racing going on, despite the heat that I think was playing a bigger part than what we all kind of thought that it would, too, with cars being very, very slick as well. Your thoughts on the track, and did it race differently this weekend than it has over the last few years? Um, I don't know. It just seems like with this racetrack, it, it takes a long time for it to get good you know and it, it seems like we start the weekend and the track's real treacherous there's a lot of wrecks and and as we get further and further along in the weekend it just gets better and better so I don't I don't know what to how to get there quicker but you know it is it is pretty racy by the end and um there's a lot of action on the restart so um yeah I'm, I loved it obviously but um yeah I think it was it took a while for the track to come in for sure go front yep go front And then we'll go to Stephen. And Mark Garrow, PRN. Rick, um, I don't know what it says about me, but I've been there for all 300. I was just starting out. That means you're old. That, yes, it does. <laughs> but I remember you guys going to Martinsville in 1984 and Jeff winning that race and how it was kind of all on the line right then. It was, you know, we get this done or maybe the door shut. And now we fast forward, and we're talking about your 300th win. Can you talk how the first one kind of saved the day and catapulted you to this? Yeah, Harry, uh, we didn't have a sponsor, and the deal was Richie Petty was going to drive and Kenny Rogers, and everybody left me with no, no driver and no sponsor. And uh, so Harry, and we talked to Jeff Bodine, and, and we, I think we wrecked at Darlington, and I said, Harry, we've got to quit. We don't have any money. We get, we, we'll we'll start back when we get some help. And 
you know once you shut down, you're not going to come back. But And he said, well, let's go to Martinsville because Bodine's good there. And we went to Martinsville, and I wasn't at the race that day. And uh, so, yeah, I think about that a lot. You know, the, the twists and turns in life that, you know, if you would not been in the right place or hadn't been in Atlanta to see uh, see Gordon, if I hadn't up at JRM and William and then my next-door neighbor, who's, who's a friend of his dad's, called me and said, hey, you've been watching this kid. So, you know, life is, we've been blessed. We've had, if you, I, I think about it a lot, the drivers that I've had, and I really, I think the most rewarding thing to me is to see guys like Chase, when I think I met him at 14, and become a champion, and William, and Jeff, and Jimmy Johnson, so and the crew chiefs. So, yeah, I, I'm very, very, I think about it all the time, had not had we not won that race, it wouldn't be a Hendrick Motorsports, and it wouldn't be 300 wins. So I'm very, very, very thankful for that. When did you know as a team owner that you guys had finally solidified enough, like, okay, now I'm good to go. I was on the edge. We got the win. Was it, did you immediately know, like, okay, we're good to go on the big roll, or was it a little bit later on you felt your team finally had the legs to be there for good? No, I'll tell you, Randy Dorton, I wish Randy was here to see all this because uh, Randy was going, his engine shop was going bust right beside us at Harry's, and uh, we won three races that year. I mean, it was amazing. I mean, I went to Daytona, and the year before I went to Daytona, I think we finished 10th, I was standing on top of a motorhome and couldn't go in the garage area with Raymond Beetle. So, so I mean, to, to and then the next year I'm there. Uh, but when we won three races and we won that last race, I think, and we got a after we got a partial sponsor, and then then and then we got Levi Garrett, and uh, they came on board, and then we got a call wanting me to run another car, and I, and I knew Tim Richmond, and so once we started clicking like that, and uh, did some innovative things with two car teams and sharing and. Uh, yeah, I, I I think about how close we were, but then I think about if you could come in this sport today with five employees, and Harry Hyde was making five hundred dollars a week, and two of the other guys were volunteers, and that's what we that's what we went to Daytona with, and uh, so from a very humble start, uh, you think about what it takes today to come into this sport and be able to compete or win a race in your first year, uh, let alone three races. So I'm glad I don't have to start now. <laughs> okay, we'll go back to Stephen. Uh, Stephen Stump, Frontrush.com. This is for Rick. Rick, obviously in four decades of cars, for, um, fielding cars, it was uh, win one, win 100, 200, 269, now 300. At what point did win 300 come um, become, was, <coughs> sorry, at what point was win 300 something like insurmountable, unreachable, and when did that become a goal? I don't think that was ever. The 300 wasn't a goal. 269 was a goal to, to, to tie and beat Petty's record. And so that was a goal, and I never thought we'd get there. So we started counting down till we got to break that record. And once we got to 269, then everybody started talking about 300. 
and uh, you know we had a heck of a year in 20 and 21 won a lot of races and I guess we won 10 this year with the with the million dollar race but uh, it's hard and uh, I'm not thinking about 350 I tell you that I'm, I'm just <laughs> I'm, I'm going to enjoy 300 and uh, see see what happens I'd like to win another championship Come up here to Rob, and then over to Jerry and Dustin. Yeah, oh, Rob T. Oxen from theponyfinish.net. This question is for Mr. H. Mr. H, congratulations on win number 300. Two questions for you. What are the intangibles for you to determine the people you've brought on to be a part of your organization? And secondly, how much does it mean to accomplish this milestone, carrying on the dream that you and your father built back in 1984? Well, you know, the, I'm I'm in the automobile business, and I started that exactly like the racing. I had uh, five or six employees on a little deal that was busted, and today we got 11,000 employees and 100 dealerships. And uh, I don't know how that happened either, other than as people. The secret in any business you're in is people, and if you surround yourself with good people and take care of them. Uh, you know, my top six guys in the automobile side have been with me a minimum of 25 years. And when I look at guys like Jeff Andrews and, uh, like I said, Randy Dorton, Randy Dorton had so much to do with building this organization because he was more than an engine builder. And we attract good people, and uh, we try to hire people. And, and we'd like to promote from within. Chad's started on the... 24 cars, a tire changer. Uh, Alan's been with me. That's the crew chief on the nine. He was an engineer with uh, Gary DeHart. And so our, our guys have kind of grown up in the company, and uh, we've, we've kind of got a, a character and a, 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 a way they work together. And uh, it's not easy to have four, four cars race each other. And tonight when I went out on the, the, the pavement to take a picture with all the teams, you know, I had to, I felt for the other three guys because they wanted to win, but only one guy. And then I reminded them, all of you guys have contributed to 300. I mean, you know, you've all, we wouldn't have it without you. So I think any, any business that you're in, it's about people. And, uh, and we take care of our people, and we treat everybody like a family. I grew up on a farm and that's one thing my dad taught me is you have to depend on your neighbors and so I have I've had that philosophy all of my adult working life. Okay, go ahead Jerry. Jerry Jordan kicking the tires on that again. Um, Mr. H you, you mentioned Martinsville and your beginnings and things of like that and we talked about that before but when we hear reports of charters at $40 million and things of that nature. What are your thoughts on that? And is that a sustainable business model when, when a charter typically brings probably 5 to $10 million in, in prize money a year? Yeah. Uh, you know, it depends. It's like going to a car auction. All you need is two people bidding on a car, and then it brings all the money. And uh, until someone sold and closed for that kind of money, uh, it could go the other way just as quick. But uh, thank NASCAR for coming up with a charter 
that gives us something of value uh, that uh, if we didn't have it, our parts would be 10 cents on the dollar. So if you worked in the sport and you've got a charter and you want to retire or, uh, you know, you, it's time for you to get out, you should be able to get something. I, I think Bud Moore and Junior Johnson, those guys wish they had a charter, you know, because they put all their life into the sport. When it's over, it's like, what have you got to sell? So I think the charter is a great thing, and I, I think it's going to be driven by the amount of people that want to get in the sport. Okay, let's come up to Dustin. Dustin Long, NBC Sports, just to kind of follow up on that. How confident are you that the charter system is going to remain in place as you guys work through uh, a you know, future financial plan with, with NASCAR beyond next season? Yeah. Well, I think I, I think um, I think the charters are going to be there. Uh, all indications are they will be there, and we're 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 getting close. I think I haven't been in the negotiations, but I think they're wrapping up things. You might know more about that than I do, but uh, my uh, I spent a lot of time with Jim France when I was in uh, at the at the 24-hour race, and. Uh, I mean, he wants to see the sport grow and go. He wants to build a fan base, wants to go to new tracks and do new things. And um, so I think NASCAR is, I think, I think we'll get everything sorted out, and, uh, and I think there will be charters. I don't have any inkling that there's not going to be charters. William, you, you talked earlier about, the, and Rudy even talked about the, I guess, inconsistency of results within the next gen era mm -hmm. because of the the competition. Yet, here in the last six races, you you won a couple times, five top tens. You put together a nice little stretch here. Um, you know, if you look at your season results, there's there was a good run of six, seven straight top tens, and there have been some runs where there haven't been. Just in terms of that, to have such a good run or solid run at this point, with still six more races to go to the end of the season, to, and, and, you know, at least four that significantly matter in terms of the championship and the next round in Phoenix. What's the challenge or how difficult is it to maintain that? Because it doesn't seem like people can, you know, like Rick's used to seeing, you know, Jeff, go, Jeff scoring 20 straight top tens or something like that. That, yeah. that just doesn't happen. Yeah, I think the results are – really individual when they happen um you just have to be like super disciplined to get results you know i feel like you can because it is all it's all so close i mean i looked at the lap times from practice and it was the first place guy was a 05 and the 30th place guy was a 40 you know so like it's so hard and so i think you just have to be really disciplined to grind through the times that aren't so good and get the balance of the car right and just make your way forward you know so I don't honestly look at like the last six races I mean I don't think besides today and Watkins Glen where we like really really contending but um, we ended up with top fives and top tens and it's just tough so I think you can easily if you let your guard down going into a weekend you can easily end up with a 15th to 20th place finish so it's um it's really trying to just approach each weekend as its own own thing and uh that'll apply for us when we go to to Vegas and you know when we get through Vegas we'll go to um 
homestead and approach it like it's a completely different race. Since you talk about the grinding, and again, I understand, you know, you work really hard, and you did last year to get what you, to, to go as far as you did. Is there, I don't know, more grinding when you look back at last year you, you could have done, or is it that experience? Because for as difficult it is, is there something you got out of that that's helping you put together? Maybe it's a, an eighth place finish instead of a 12th place finish or 15th place finish, or maybe it's getting a couple extra stage points in, in a stage yeah. or something like that. Yeah, I think I just look back at my whole <laughs> career and look at the moments that I just got too excited and, and jumped the gun and, and made a mistake. You know, So I think last year, even looking back at last year's race here, just you know, getting emotional, getting just caught up in the moment too much um, in terms of emotion and not really staying in the moment and making the right decisions. So I think this year has been different in that way. Like I find myself when I have chances to win, I it's almost calming. So I feel like for me, I just kind of stay present and um, I've worked really hard to to manage those emotions that, that come up, you know, throughout the race. So uh, yeah, I think it is. For me, it's a grind mentally, I guess, more than physically, but it's just the grind of kind of staying in it. Mm -hmm. Thank you to you both for coming in. Appreciate you guys' time. Good luck next weekend. Thank you. Thank you. You'll have to see it to believe it. Whoever said that must have been talking about Talladega. It's a place where chaos mixes with speed, and a playoffs weekend becomes a lifetime of memories. It's a tradition like no other, at a track like no other. And after it's all over, you still won't believe it ever happened. NASCAR Playoffs Weekend at Talladega, September 30th through October 1st. Get your tickets now at Talladega Super Speed.